romantic ones to the fabulous world of comic books filled with color and action, handsome heroes, kryptonite green monsters, beautiful ladies. We're about to take a behind-the-scene look at the incredible world of comic books. Hey, you can get real Avengers autographs presented by Celebrity Authentics. Real Avengers autographs. By Authentic. What the fuck does that mean? Real Avengers signatures by Celebrity Authentic. That's not even the celebrities that are in the movie, is it, Paul? Well, no. You can get Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, and Mark Ruffalo's signature. But, you know, that's not a real Avengers signature, in my opinion. A real Avengers signature is Captain America <laughs> signing something. Thor signing something in rune glyphs. Yeah. Oh, my Christ. <laughs> now, you know what? If Chris, Hems- if Chris Hemsworth signed something as Thor, I'd probably buy it. I was just wondering what I what I would give my other kidney for. And there it is. <laughs> the Thor signature on a, on a fucking rune stone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Done and done. <laughs> you can have both of my do- kidneys. Call the doctors. I have ice. I have a tub. We're going to make this Exciting. Uh, we are short a couple of guys this week, but who needs those guys? Not you me. know, Wayne, weak. Andrew, he's a hanger-on. Screw those guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Some people chose kids and wife over fucking comic book Saturday with, with the boys. Right. All right. And you know what, Tim? This other guy on the show, he's not going to fear the con. What? This Paul guy, he has confirmed that he's skipping out on fear the con. We so, hate this guy. In two weeks, when you and I are rocking St. Louis, Paul's going to be uh, home wearing his skirts, twirling his parasol, because you're a woman, Virginia Paul. Beach, huh? <laughs> <laughs> In my skirt. Some people call it Fear the Con. Paul calls it Saturday. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's me. Yeah, Paul. So I told my wife yesterday, I told my wife yesterday that Paul's not going to Fear the Con. And uh, she said, well, I don't think you should go either. Yes, I, I knew she would be on my side. She said, I think that in solidarity, you should stay home for Paul. And I said, huh, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> no, you get your carbon boys. How about you suck my balls? <laughs> hey, thank you, Mrs. Aaronhead, for yeah. being supportive of your fellow Whatever. Paul. You could be, be like my wife and be supportive and just go. <laughs> Paul. Whatever. I, I, I would love to go. Unfortunately, I cannot make it this year. However, <clears throat> let me put this out here. I'm going to put it on the podcast. Should I put it on the podcast? Put it on the podcast, Paul. I'm going to be seeing Avengers uh, Friday at uh, 9 a.m. 
That's and Friday, May second, May fourth. Friday, May the fourth, be with you yeah. in uh, in the <laughs> Hampton Roads area of Virginia. And while that's not really important, if anyone is seeing, if any one of our listeners who has some type of podcasting experience or has uh, you know is interested in such um, is planning on seeing the Avengers that Friday. Give me a buzz. Not give me a buzz. Don't call me. I'm not giving out my phone number. Uh, Paul's pop- phone number, 757. 555. Pop us an email uh, at com, and uh, let us know if – or contact me on Twitter and let me know if you're interested in uh, doing a podcast review of The Avengers with me. Uh, because while the other guys are in St. Louis having fun, you and I will be on the mics recording our Avengers review. Now, keep in mind that we, we only have a limited number of streams to maintain audio integrity. So if we uh, get a, a large amount of, of uh, requests, we'll need to do some kind of randomized drawing or selection. So uh, sell yourself when you, send, when you send your notes. Send nude pictures of yourself to Paul. He'd be happy to see them, and that way he can determine which of you should participate. I was thinking Thunderdome. Uh, you <laughs> but know, like, I like that. that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on who responds. Um, There's some prerequisites. You must have Skype. You must watch the Avengers. Oh, and I will say you also have to have a headset microphone. So there goes the two people that were going to do it. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> good times. Good so, time. uh, Tim, I understand that ideology of madness is certifiable. It is. It is. Uh, un- unbeknownst to most people on this podcast now, uh, t- Tim may or may not have uh, tried to use his ideology of madness street cred um, to get into Gen Con. And uh, guess what, boys? You got your We're press, press baby. <laughs> mm. Now yep. you know, Tim. With those credentials comes a certain amount of responsibility. Yeah, there'll be one Tim's Gen Con blog done. I can do that. Well, no, no, no. We are going to need an ideology of madness uh, daily feed from you, <laughs> largely complaining about how your feet hurt. I was just going to say, Aaron. I think what we'll do is we'll post Gen Con classics. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just replay Wayne's Gen Con experience, and then at the end, I'll post my blog. Oh, my feet sure do hurt. <laughs> Unfortunately, that means probably nobody else is going to get one of these, but that's okay. I didn't figure it was going to be a big deal. <laughs> so, uh, Tim's a horrible person. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'll cry myself right to the press room. <laughs> so, speaking of which, I expect a fear the fear the con journals as well from you slackers. Well, and it'll largely be, boy, my feet hurt. <laughs> you know, even though the, the the span is, you know, you know, just just a decimation of what the what the what Gen Con is. My feet will still hurt. I'm flat footed after all. So. <laughs> and I've been sitting all day drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, my my ass hurts. How about that? <laughs> I think what we'll do is we'll podcast about it for like two full weeks and then talk about the marketing of Fear the Con. Part. I think that's <laughs> much like Raleigh, the way to go. Huh. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, you know. But Fear the Con wasn't marketed correctly because, you know, I don't know what Fear the Con is. They expect me to know what Fear the Con is just by looking at the ad. Well, I mean, yeah, even though you've had experience with Fear the Con 4, 
you know, the marketing was such that you didn't ha- feel an ownership or a kinship with Fear the Con 5. I understand that. Part. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, they just expect me to know. And I, I just, and that's why I'm not going, because I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'll find, you know what, you guys go to Fear the Con 5, or whatever it is, and <laughs> let me know if it's good. And if it's good, then I'll go to Fear the Con 6. But, I think that's fair. I think that's I a good idea. That's, I don't think that's fair. I think that's lame. Well, Paul is fundamentally lame. This is true. I think we know the real reason I'm not going to fear the Con 5. Is because you're afraid of your love for me? Besides that. It's because Denny's no longer sells the white chocolate blueberry pancake puppies. Are you fucking kidding me? They just have regular-ass pancake puppies now with no oh, white chocolate chip. What is the point? Exactly. We should just cancel fear the cons. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Kids are out of your damn minds. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought he was going to say the real reason he's not going is because Christine found another. Well, there could be that. She, she wouldn't wait a year for him. <laughs> Tell her it's Paul. Tell her um, Paul. Well, you know, speaking of shady practices, uh, DC, the, the current rumor mill is such that in September, DC is doing zero, ish, zero issues across the line for all of their 52 comic books. Uh, so we will get Batman number zero, Superman number zero, Nightwing number zero, uh, Justice League number zero, and those will fill in the gaps of continuity issues that people are concerned about with the New 52 is, and what happened, what didn't happen, what was the origin in this universe, that kind of thing. Um, so what do you guys think about this, what, I, what I have dubbed Zero Hour 2 Electric Boogaloo? It doesn't bother me. I think that that uh, I think there are probably more organic ways to tell those stories, but you know, DC's trying what they can to uh, you know keep people interested, get folks back in the stores. They've done a pretty good job of, of other than this podcast, uh, this group of podcast hosts, keeping their readers. I mean, because you know, I, I listen to the uh, uh, Bob Wayne interviews each month over on Word Balloon where he talks about the performance, but uh, I think they're just trying to maintain interest. And John John Wayne interviews where what? John Wayne yes no, no, Bob Wayne DC v- comics DC sales over at DC man I I could have sworn the Duke the Duke was an IDW fan but you know damn I, it <laughs> it's but it's not I mean I've seen Zero Hour uh, bandied around you know and Zero Hour of course was a was a a big post uh, crisis event in the DC universe back in the nineties this isn't actually a crossover event. This is just them releasing zero issues of all this. Uh, you know, you say that. I'd venture to say there's some type of crossover event occurring. Do you think that the lady in the red hood is going to be featured in these? I do. They're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're, they're saying. I don't know where she went, but there she is yeah. again. But, you know, from what I've heard, you know, they, um, in the free comic book day issue of, uh, DC comics that's coming out on May 5th, they're, Talking, they're hinting at their their first big cross company crossover, or not cross company, intercompany crossover, intra company crossover. Anyway, their first big crossover, <laughs> um, which is going to be called the Trinity War. And I have a feeling that these zero issues might tie in somehow as a precursor or something to this Trinity War event. That's just my theory. I could be wrong. But there's got to be a reason they're doing the zero issues. I mean, well, I know it's also a, an official year from right. the start of the New 52, so we'll see. I mean, it could it could just be nothing. It could just be zero issues. I mean, do I like the idea? I actually do like the idea. I think it's, you know, there are a lot of outstanding continuity questions that people are concerned about. 
and I think this is a good way of answering those questions. Um, and plus, I like the concept of zero issues. You know, I, I like them a lot better than point one issues. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you know, I mean, it's better than doing Batman 12.1. Just do Batman number zero. Um, I just, you know, the, the, my gripe around zero issues often has been that they're not really a zero issue. I mean, they're not a prequel. They're not a story that occurs in advance of issue one. And so as long as they, they in, in terms of continuity, they take place in a, in a period prior to the first issue, I think I, I like the zero hour, the zero issue concept. I just don't like it when it's just another story, like a point one. Yeah, I'm with you. And um, you know, you know, I think what's kind of funny is I'm thinking about it, you know, and I'm like, well, some of the books already had origins in their titles, right? Books like Blue Beetle and Omac, you know, and uh, all the books that essentially have been canceled now. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. A lot of the books that are still exist, you know, didn't necessarily have that origin storyline being told. So, you know, they could do that in a zero issue pretty sure. effectively. Um, I just hope, you know, they have good creative teams on these books and I hope they're well done. And yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I, I'll, I'll be, I'd be interested to see how they pull it off. But you know who's not a fan of DC Comics? You know, could it, might it be Chris Roberson? John Wayne. <laughs> and John Wayne. <laughs> no, John Wayne works for DC Comics, Tim. Stupid. <laughs> no, Chris Roberson um, both quit and got fired from DC Comics this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how uh, we can't, we're, we're not real clear on uh, how that worked out there. <laughs> well, quit, fired. <laughs> Well, I think he was waiting for the cancellation of iZombie to announce that he was basically done with DC after his arc on Ferris, um, which is the the, the um, Fables spinoff title from Vertigo. And he was basically just saying, you know, after this is done, I'm done with DC. I'm tired of their business practices, citing specifically things like the Alan Moore uh, Watchmen debacle. Uh-huh. And so DC said, you know what? Fuck you. I'm sure they didn't say fuck you. They might have said fuck you. Dan Didio has a dirty mouth. Huh. Um and they said, we, your services are no longer needed for Ferris either. So Chris Roberson will not be doing his arc on Ferris after all. And so uh, I, I believe, you know, I, I, it's kind of surprising that someone would quit because of the Watchmen thing, considering no one really likes Alan Moore anyway. Because really, I mean, what you're saying is that, you know, for somewhere in the neighborhood of 45% of the comic book business, I've decided that I'm never going to work with again. And to do that for somebody like Alan Moore, now I, I I appreciate that you know he is he is you know he feels strongly morally about the way creators are treated and in particular Alan Moore, but uh, I I don't get I, I honestly I don't I don't get walking out for that reason. You know, and I I, I understand the principles of it. I do understand the principles of creator rights and many creators taking their stand. Um, about things like that. And Chris Roberson, I believe, works in publishing to begin with. So, you know, he mm-hmm. would know a shady publishing deal. But, sure. you know, I mean, I don't know if he himself was slighted. I mean, taking a stand for Alan Moore is a little surprising, you know, again. Yeah. And, you know, as considering, you know, no one, I don't, I don't, and I could be wrong. And you know what? If anyone out there wants to correct me, please do. I don't remember anyone taking a stand for Jack Kirby or Joe Simon or, you know, uh, Joe Schuster or any of those guys. I don't remember anybody quitting DC or Marvel over those. Well, characters. and I mean, you know, Steve Gerber, you know. Yeah. But here's the deal. These, these are companies. 
And certainly, I think people did, in the 70s, set out to screw creators. Could Marvel have, have handled Jack Kirby better? Absolutely. But, you know, I don't... I, I've, I've read so much of this Alan Moore garbage. He had a bad contract. You know, he signed a bad contract. I, I really honestly don't think you should hold DC to task for continuing to sell a popular book. You know, his agreement said, I get those characters back when the book goes out of print. The book stayed in print. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry that it was not, hey, we promised you A, but B happened. We said in the contract, if it stays in print, we we retain the rights. And Watchmen has continued to sell. To sell. Who knew back in the 80s when Watchmen was produced that the whole trade market would develop? Because nobody bought trades back then. Back then, you had you had two trades on your sh- on your shelves. You had Origins of the Marvel Universe and Sons of Origins of the Marvel Universe. That yeah. was it. I, I I loved the whole they signed a contract, but they got mistreated conversation. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the agreement you signed. And you know, there was a an article uh, from JMS was quoted. And, you know, JMS says, hey, man, you always you, you always try and get the best deal you can get. And when you get a bad deal, you just hope that the next one's better. Yeah. And you know what? You know, Alan Moore was young. And, you know, these guys are just trying to make money, trying to get in the business, trying to feed their families. You know, it's not – you're not driving around in a Bentley if you write comic books, unless you're Jim Lee or Jeff Johns or somebody like that. And even then, I don't think those guys are rich. I just think they're – they are comfortable, you know. And <clears> – <throat> You know, so you're signing these contracts, and you read the contracts. You know the contracts. You know, and you know, yes, you may trust the big conglomeration incorrectly. You know, they, they may be genuinely out to harm to harm you, not genuinely out to harm you, but they're of course they're they're looking for their own interests. Right. But you know, I'm sure DC at the time didn't think that Watchmen was going to be still in print twenty something years later. Yeah. I don't you think know, anybody thought that. They couldn't think that. That's yeah. and, unrealistic. You know, and they don't keep it in print just to screw Alan Moore. Right. Now, they keep could, it in print because it keeps selling. That's right. Now, that's could, what a corporation is going to do. Exactly. You know, now, could they renegotiate with him to get him some rights? Yeah, I'm he, sure he did not want them. He didn't want the money. They've offered him additional money. They they have offered to do any number of different things with Alan Moore. And Alan Moore, and as is his right, has said, you know what? You guys are turds. I don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah. And that's fine, yeah. but for for a person to to say here is the reason why I'm taking this action because of Alan Moore seems a little a little off to me. I am certain, and you know, I think Chris Robertson's a good guy. Um, I am certain something awful happened with him. Yeah, and you know, I again. <clears throat> I like Chris Robertson. I've read yeah. some of his stuff. I enjoy his stuff. I know he's friends with friend of the podcast Daniel or Daniel Daryl Gregory, and uh-huh. a friend of Daryl Gregory is a friend of mine. That's right. Wait, what? But, <laughs> well, except for Tim. But ultimately, you know, I mean, I, I wish Chris Robertson the best. I hope he finds, you know, um, you know, luck. Find, you know, work in his creator owned work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a shame that you know the DC thing happened. I, I think, but it's. A lot of creators are leaving DC lately, and it's because of you know shady business practices, it seems, or at least disagreements with the way they're running the company. Well, I, I, you're always going to have artistic differences, you know. I, certainly in an or, organization like DC or Marvel, where you've got you know uh, 
corporate interests to maintain and you're going to have editorial mandates. You know, we've we seen this all the time on both sides where I didn't want to be involved in that crossover. I didn't want my story hijacked. This isn't the, what I signed on for. You know, we see that kind of thing. Hmm. Corporate interest, like charging the same amount for less product. <laughs> is that what you're talking about, Aaron? That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're that's talking about. Because that's some bullshit right there. Well, you know, th- th- that happened a couple times this week, so we'll, we'll get to another incident later. Um, but Marvel this week released Wolf- the first trade paperback of Wolverine and the X-Men, um, a book that I am I enjoy the hell out of. This is the first story arc, which was four issues. And um, – you know, guys, how much would you pay for four issues of a comic book, of a three ninety nine comic book? Just spitballing here. For bucks. a three ninety nine <laughs> <laughs> It would. It would be the Deadpool thing. It's like nine ninety nine for like five issues. I'm like, fantastic. Sign me up. <laughs> well, clearly, Marvel, you are not the person Marvel is trying to sell the, the first trade paperback of, of Wolverine and the X-Men. Because Wolverine and the X-Men issues one through four, so four $4 comic books, do the math. On sale this week for nineteen ninety nine. That is entirely too much to pay for Chris Bacolo. <laughs> <laughs> that seems the, excessive. And none of them are oversized issues. They're they're three ninety nine comic books. And so yeah, I I'm genuinely surprised that Marvel went with that price point. Or didn't just collect the first six issues. I mean, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean that seems a little extreme. You guys have talked about how bad the art is on those first three or four issues that I wouldn't pay three ninety nine for them. Good call. Well, okay. I enjoyed the first three issues, but I yeah, will but say you're wrong. <laughs> I enjoyed the first two issues. <laughs> Except the art. I like the, fir- the, is- the art in the first two issues. It was uh, issue three where things kind of went off the rails for me. Okay. But it's just... But the retailers are up in arms about this because, you know, it's a 19.99 book. That's what retailers sell it at. You know, you go to Barnes and Noble, you pay 19.99, or maybe if you have a discount card, you get a discount. You go to your comic shop, you pay 19.99. You go to Amazon, you pay 13 bucks. Yep. That seems you know, like a fair price. That seems like a fair price, exactly. So, you know, of course, customers are going to go for the fair price, and you know, so I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like intentionally hosing the comic retailers. So, you know, there are a lot of unhappy people about this. And, you know, in my opinion, if you don't like it, don't buy it. But, you know, I'm not a retailer. And a retailer, you know, has a genuine concern to say, hey, you're charging 20 bucks for four comic books that people can get literally for seven bucks cheaper online. Yeah. With free shipping and no tax. Or have gotten cheaper buying it in floppies. There should yeah. be a volume discount there. <laughs> exactly. You can go on to the shelf and buy them. Even, even, you know, well, you can probably stars. buy them cheaper in the back issue bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or really. quarter exactly. bin, maybe I should say. Exactly. Now, and I don't know if there's any extras in the book or anything like that, but I'd venture to say it's not an absolute edition or anything. Right. It's just, you know, it, and considering Wolverine and the X-Men, I think is only up to issue six Nine. or seven. Nine? Okay. Twelve, I thirteen. Just, I just don't believe that there would be that many extras in there for them to uh, – I, I don't believe there has been that much time for them to put extras in there. To make you know, it, it almost seems like it was an oversight. You know what I'm saying? I mean it's so ridiculous. It's hard to believe that anybody would legitimately think that it's worth 20 bucks. No, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I think they just stuck the regular price points on it not realizing that the first story arc was only four issues. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at their Uncanny X Force Otherworld hardcover, that's five comics for twenty four ninety nine. 
And they do the same thing with Moon Knight Volume 2 and Ultimate Spider-Man Volume Those were all oversights, Andrew. (laughs) Nobody's watching the store. (laughs) You know what I really think it is, Aaron? Uh Uh-huh. I think... I think... John Wayne. (laughs) I think that Marvel, in their hearts, is evil. And who (laughs) knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. Paul Aponte. <laughs> I'm just keep throwing out random nouns. That's my new gimmick. Paul Ponzi's the shadow. That is so badass. Banana bread. <laughs> Tim has clean clean Tourette's today. Or an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so the shadow number one came out this week from Dynamite <laughs> Comics, written by Garth Ennis, art by Aaron Campbell, and featured. I got decided about- that maybe it was art by me. <laughs> oh shit! I was just about to be well done, you sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember drawing this book. <laughs> <laughs> and featuring about 67 different covers. I know I lost a week under the vodka premise. <laughs> I thought I just blocked out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I drew the shadow. I got this check. For you know, and funny, time. Paul, not that hard. <laughs> 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 I don't know what all these people are, crea- are complaining about. Yeah, I got it out on time and everything. I, I, cr- I cranked this out and did my day job. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's why we haven't been able to play uh, Knights of Rainsburg. <laughs> You've been writing the shadow. You've been drawing the shadow. I've been drawing the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and all those variant covers. So, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's more important. <laughs> one pays, one doesn't. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, The Shadow, Paul. Yes. Kind Aaron. of like one of your favorite characters. Yeah, I, I love the concept of The Shadow. I even like the freaking Alec Baldwin movie. I just love The Shadow. I, I love pulp heroes. Uh-huh. And The Shadow is the very definition of the... When you think pulp hero, you think of the black and the fedora, and you know the, you think of The Shadow. I mean, The Shadow pops in your head. And so I was really excited about this book. I well, like jukebox it's, heroes. Is that is that similar? It's very similar. Okay, yeah. sweet. Keep on keep talking. I'm listening. It's a it's a good creative team on here. You know, you know Garth Ennis, who's who's solid and writes a nice, you know, dark mystery, uh, kind of shadow kinds of story. And then the artwork by Aaron Campbell, not myself, um, <laughs> it is fantastic and really suits the story. It's got this nice moody pre World War II kind of look to it. You know, and I was all I knew is that the shadow was coming out this week. Um, so I didn't know if they were reimagining the shadow for a modern setting. So I was I was pleased to see that they set it in the period. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think it would have lost something yeah. in a translation to a modern uh, time frame. And I am particularly jazzed in the artwork as all the detail he puts in the background. You know, like when it would have been easy just to throw the the background when they're at the Algonquin Hotel um, to just, you know, throw that into shadow and 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 just your random kind of shapes. But I mean, he really you had a real sense of the environment on those pages. Yeah. You know, usually when to save time, you see a lot of panels without background. Right. And, you know, there are very few panels like that in this. And if, when it happens, it's typically legitimate. Someone's standing against a wall. Yeah. You know, but there's almost always something in the background, which is unusual in comics nowadays. Um, one of the things that I find just, you know, fascinating about the book is that how intensely violent it is. 
you know, there is this great scene where the shadows on the docks and he's, you know, he's telling guys, uh, you know, you, you really don't, you really don't want to pull guns on me. You want to drop those guns. You want to go home. And when they don't, he's just shooting them all. And there's this one scene. I mean, you see the bullets just erupting from their chests, and the one guy who's turning away, the shadow has shot him in the back of the head and his eyes are coming out the front of his head from the bullets, you know, Mm -hmm. hitting him in the back of the head. I'm just like, dude, (laughs) yeah, they, uh, they make no bones about the violence in this book. And why did I not read this book this week? What is wrong with me? (laughs) There is also, you know, the, the thing about the shadow is that, not a not particularly a nice guy. No, even in his alter ego of Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston, not not a gen- genuinely just not. I mean, he's like he's the worst parts of Bruce Wayne. He's rich and privileged and an asshole. It's like Mad Men meets Batman. Yes, very yeah, very much so, very much so. It it is you know the it is Bruce Wayne and Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, very much so. And, and there's that, that – he's talking to uh, – uh, what's her name? Margot? Is that right? Yeah, Margot Lane? Um, you know, his, his girlfriend and also, I guess, employee because she's committed herself to work for The Shadow. Um, and he's an ass to her. I mean, yeah. just completely an ass. I mean, just, you know, clearly has just – they are post-coitus in this scene and he is just a jackass which is kind of how i imagine paul is after sex <laughs> but <really>. uh, <laughs> but you know he is walking out of the hotel and this kid goes running in front of him and the mother apologizes and he goes oh let him let him be a boy he meets his fate 5 years from now on, on <laughs> you know essentially in in world war 2 and, and and you're just like dude Keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I actually I enjoyed the book. Um, yeah, I, well, I say I loved it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it enough to give it a second issue. I thought it was a strong first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all set up. You did get a little action. It tells you a little bit about who he is. It really firmly details that you know this isn't Batman because he he is he is not a no kill guy and he's also not a nice guy. You know, yeah. He's not a nice guy as the Shadow, and he is not a nice guy as Lamont Cranston, but he's out there fighting evil and kind of walking a line, I think. Yeah. You know? And, you know, that's that's the Shadow that I know. Yeah. You know, it, the Shadow was – he had to learn to be a good person. And, uh, you know, of course, you don't – the Shadow – most people aren't familiar with the character. They're familiar with the look of the character, but they're not familiar with the character himself. And I think this truly captured the spirit of the character, and I think it does a great job of it. And, now, Paul, uh, you know, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and I know I give Dynamite a hard time because I typically don't like their books. Um, but, you know, The Shadow, I enjoyed the hell out of, and I'm actually looking forward to the Prophecy book that they keep advertising, too. And that's what was my next question, the, the, the center page layout for The Prophecy, which is, you know, Dynamite's biggest crossover event ever, which is going to feature Vampirella, Red Sonja, uh, Goth, Dracula, The Reanimator, Panther, Athena, Dorian Gray, Eva, Alan Quartermain, and more, written by – who's it written by, Paul? Ron Mars. Oh, fuck. I am so on this book. Yeah. I am so on this book. Starting in in June, it is a seven issue self contained series. the The pinup artwork in the book is just really breathtaking. And oh, I know. And I'm just yeah, man, I'm all over that. I'm oh yeah, over- and I love how they focus on a seven issue self contained series. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. You know, no, now, no tie-ins. Now, you nope. know, Dynamite's printing some stuff that I'm really enjoying lately. You know, I know you guys haven't been on uh, Kirby Genesis, and while I don't really understand what's going on in that book, I really enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to sell one of our hosts on a book right now that Dynamite's printing. Andrew? Yes, sir. Thank you for joining late. You're tired. I'm going to need to talk to you after class. I will stay behind for that thing you want to do to me. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'll need to see you in the book room, sir. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) um, That took a bad tone. (laughs) Dynamite is printing a book called Bionic Woman. Okay. I've got two words for you. All right. Paul Tobin. Ooh. And because I'm going to prove to you how much fun that book is going to be, I'm going to gift to you the first issue on Comixology. Oh, now, now, now is this this is issue number one or is his first or Paul Tobin's first issue? Issue number one, written by Paul Tobin. Oh yeah, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. So, be- better, better art than the middle of the, the uh, than the middle of the Spider Girl. Hell's yes. Okay, I'm in. Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm gifting that to you today, and we can talk about it next Saturday. Well, you know, Paul sold me on the shadow. I'm I'm picking that up on my my iPad as we're talking, and then uh, the prophecy's got my nipples trying to escape my body, <laughs> and then they're just so anyway. Um, okay. And now, now, last thing about dynamite because I, yes, I, no, I think, I've got one more thing too. I think dynamite is really having kind of a heyday. There are a little renaissance going on over there because I, I find that I'm reading a lot more dynamite books lately. But uh, there is an ad in the back of this book for a book called The Spider. Pulp tradition is back with nonstop action, hard choices, and devastating sacrifices. It has got devastating is spelled wrong. <laughs> it sure Seriously? is. Isn't it? They spelled they misspelled <laughs> devastating. <laughs> but All you right. know, when you look For- at the talent on the book, you got David Liss, Colton Worley, John Cassidy, Francesco Francavilla, and Ron Lesser. I mean, I'm sure that uh, some of those guys are cover artists. Yeah. But uh, the the page here for the spider looks fantastic. Oh, I know. And David Liss is a hell of a pulp writer. Yeah. So, so I am on. I am, I am on. too. I mean, so, wow. Lots of good stuff from Dynamite lately. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I, I, if you want to publish pulp books, sign me up because I will be there. You know, the, the dark superhero thing, I am all about it. Yeah. Well, and speaking of dark superheroes, what about Batman number eight? Batman number eight, the official beginning of the Night of the Owls crossover. Um, this issue features Bruce Wayne, not Batman, because you, he's only in his Batman costume for one panel of the comic book. But Bruce Wayne basically dealing with an assault on Wayne Mansion by the the Owl Assassins, by countless Owl Assassins. And basically Bruce Wayne in a robe, kicking all kinds of ass. Oh, yeah. So Tim read this. He, he, I guess Tim jumped in to see how the Night of the Cro- Owls crossover would be. Tim, what'd you think? You know, I really like the way the artist uh, draws action scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just, just he's phenomenal at it. When I there's this scene where Bruce Wayne is in mid jump kick on, a, on an owl that that, that looked just phenomenal. You know, the scenes on the roof where he's he he took he took the weather vane and stuck that uh, owl guy. That was yeah. pretty fantastic. You know, so the, the, I, I I love the way they they tell an action story in this book. Yeah, it's uh the artist in question is uh Gray Capullo, the uh you know artist from Spawn for a while, and uh yeah, like I said, you know Bruce Wayne 
is in a robe, no shoes. It's like Die Hard in Wayne Manor, essentially. Yeah, it really is. You know, Alfred's locked in the Batcave, and Bruce Wayne is basically, you know, just using his Bruce Wayne-ness to beat down some owls. And it is. It's just one long, you know, trek through Wayne Manor while he's trying to escape these owls. Although Alfred does get the best quote-unquote kill in the whole book. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right, Paul? Oh, yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, so you know the, the owls are reanimated corpses. Um, they're they're not necessarily zombies. Uh, I, I discussed this a little bit when we were talking about Nightwing um, on a previous podcast. That the owls are basically they're they're given this chemical all throughout their lives, and the chemical allows their bodies to be reanimated after death. And um, so they're not necessarily zombies, but they're they're like unkillable essentially. Um, though Nightwing does find a way in Nightwing number eight. FYI. But um, so, you know, basically Bruce Wayne, you know, he's stabbing them with weather veins. They're getting crushed and beat to hell. I mean, it's it's a, just an awesome, awesome action book. And, you know, the art really sells it. You know, there's a backup story um, also written by Scott Snyder. Both are written by Scott Snyder. But the art, backup art is by Raphael Albuquerque from uh, American Vampire. What do you think of the end of the book, Tim? The end of what? The, the, the backup feature or the end of the regular book? The main feature. You know, I'm not. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm interested, but it's not something that I I would normally say is a good idea. I don't really like it when superheroes aren't known for like power armor. Put on power armor. Like I'm not. I wasn't really a big fan of Spider-Man doing it, even though it made organic sense, and it makes sense for Batman to do it here. So I don't know, Paul. I think it's gonna be interesting, but it's kind of. Slightly tacky, I guess I would say. True. Yeah, and what we're talking about is for the last four issues, essentially Bruce Wayne's been getting the hell beat out of him. He was trapped under Gotham City without food or water. You know, he's he's still having a hard time seeing light because he's just been trapped under the city, and he's you know he's he's in a bad way. And you know the owls have there's I don't know there's probably like thirty or fifty of these owls descending on Wayne Manor, and he gets into like this huge ass bat armor to take judge, them on judge bat dread yeah it's like robo batman or something i mean it's yeah. huge it's like you know it's something you would expect to see in the dark knight returns you know like that big ass bat tank thing it, it mm-hmm. fits that kind of style and uh you know he comes out from the armory and he's like get the hell out of my house and he's ready to take on the owls and so I'm I'm excited. I am I I'm really I've been enjoying everything Scott Snyder's been doing with Batman since he started, and I think this book kicked ass. And I'm excited about the Night of the Owls crossover. I'm going to pick up books that I wouldn't normally pick up, just because they're part of the Night of the Owls crossover. And you know I I think the one the one other thing this book does really well is it 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 gives you a sense that they're in serious trouble. Yeah. You know, and it's like okay, it's Ninja's big deal, but like the way that Alfred and Bruce react. They're concerned. They're really concerned. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's you know, it's it's like not just Batman. You know, we're seeing Batman always being on top of things, mm-hmm. and you know, this book, the entire book, Batman is literally saying, you know, I underestimated them. I literally did not know these guys existed, and they're beating. They've beat me at this point. You know, yeah, he's yeah, they're white knuckling the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, so, yeah, Tim, good, it's a good book. I'm gonna throw something out for you. Mm-hmm. Batwing number nine. Did you see the Bat- creative team on Batwing Bat- number nine? Wing. Batwing. Bat- That's the African uh, you Batman. Can, you can stop the conversation. 
But Tim, it's written I, by Judd Winnick with art by Marcus Toe. Marcus Toe couldn't save Huntress for me. Oh, that's true. And Huntress has boobs. I don't think Nightwing's gonna. I think Batwing, whatever his name is, I don't think Batwing's gonna do it for me. <laughs> it's a nice well, try, you're... but I will say this: like I said last time, Batman Dark Knight Nine, Tim Drake on the cover sold. Yeah. You know, Red Hood and the Outlaws is gonna get a flip. You know, and uh, yeah, what else all we of these here? books will at least get a flip. I mean, you know, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Detective Comics, Batman and Robin. I was already gonna buy. Nightwing Nine, may, you know, might get a pull, and even the Batman Annual. The Batman yeah. Annual, because Victor Freeze. If you look closely on the on the uh, list, Victor Freeze is on that list. Can we just call it the Bat Manual? The Bat Manual. Well, in in Mexico, it would be the Batman Manual. Yes. <laughs> oh really, Victor Freeze? I didn't see that Victor Freeze was on that list. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. he's on the he's on the list, so that might tie into the annual. So I'm like, oh, look at that art. I could. The cover art is the same as the interior. We might have to do that too. Yeah, Jason Fabok, it is actually the same artist. So, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very curious. It's the first new Fifty Two appearance of Mister Freeze. So, I, I'm on board. I am on board for Night of the yeah. Owls, and I, think I recommend. I, am too. I recommend it for you guys too. It's not. Yeah, you, yeah. It seems like there's a lot of books, but it seems like they're going to go with quality. Um, it seems like. I, I think we can move from <laughs> seems like to there are a lot of books. Well, sure, I think they're sure. compartmentalized pretty well. Well, Which speaking cool. of, yeah, I mean, unlike Avengers vs. X-Men and all its random many, many, many tie-ins, including a book which is an AVX tie-in, essentially in name only. <laughs> now, Avengers Paul, be fair. There is a giant AVX double-page spread at the beginning of the book. And then a panel of Captain America throwing his shield in that fight. And then that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The book opens with this giant two-page AVX spread. And then you flip the page and Captain America throws his shield. And then it flashes back to a time before AVX. Yeah. And that is literally the only AVX tie-in to this book. Yeah. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I enjoyed this book uh, largely due to the White Walt Simonson artwork. Uh, I thoroughly dug the artwork in this book, but the story frustrated the hell out of me. The story, I'm going to, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to go on record here. Mm -hmm. Brian Michael Bendis has been a shitty writer lately. I have not enjoyed anything Brian Michael Bendis has written in, in a couple of months. Face. Uh, Avengers Assemble, his new book, um, is unreadable. Um, this book was terrible. I didn't enjoy the Norman Osborn storyline. I mean, his writing is just not strong lately, and I don't know if he's just stretched too far, but I'm just not enjoying his stuff lately. Well, I, I don't share your opinion, uh, though I, I did not enjoy the story in this book. Um, I did very much enjoy the, the, the artwork, um, but I have enjoyed a lot of what Brian, Brian Bendis has done recently. I just didn't enjoy this book, so I I, I will not characterize him as uh, as Paul has, but uh, I, this was not a strong story. And you know, I think it's a little disingenuous to call it an AVX crossover when very little of it actually applies to AVX, because yeah. you know you've got the the first three pages of the book that that are in the AVX crossover, but really. Um, it's an opportunity for Walt Simonson to draw some of those characters because 
all the all the action that you see on those first three pages, you saw in AVX number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not sure, and maybe it'll develop into something more important later on. But at the end of the book, Novar, uh, you know, talks to the the Cree Supreme Intelligence that warns him about the Phoenix Force coming. So that does tie back into AVX. But this was a whole issue that could have been done in three pages. You know, if, if the intent was the AVX crossover, um, yeah, the, th- the there are only three pages that really apply. Now, let's talk about the guts of the story. You know, it, it starts off with Captain America being kind of down in the dumps because they've had their asses handed to them so frequently. Something that we've complained about for a long time in the Avengers books. So here's the strategy. This is just what cracks me up. Well, you know, we need a win. So, hey, let's just today, today... Let's decide not to suck. That is that is essentially what the story comes down to. Let's find the AIM terrorists. You know, let's go out to the acquired informatics management, whatever AIM stands for, guys, um, and let's go kick their ass. And today, okay, guys, everybody heads up. <laughs> We're not going to suck. Everybody got that? Yeah, Cap, we got that. That's what the story is. Paul, am I wrong? No, you are correct. That is why this is not a good story. <laughs> there well, I mean, was, the, there was the, no the, the turning of the corner for the characters was today we don't suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that is literally what happened in this book. And okay, so I I do have one qualm about the art. Oh god. So I'll start with the good. Uh-huh. Walt Simonson is still Walt Simonson, and he's awesome, and he draws Thor like nobody's business. Oh shit! That page where Thor meets Captain America on the roof. Yes. Oh man, I was I was I was popping wood hard on that, and there's a little bit of a Thor upskirt there. So I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> a little bit of Thormal toe. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but there's a shot earlier in the book on page three uh-huh. or four of. Um, Spider Woman, in her non not wearing a costume. Yeah, I didn't know. I they had to tell me who she was. I didn't know who that was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just could not tell who she was. Her hair's up. She it looks like something torn out of an eighties book. When you know who I thought it was when I first looked at it, I thought I thought maybe they were hearkening back to a much earlier time on the Avengers at that point, and I thought maybe it was Cersei. Yeah, I mean, I, I just couldn't. And then they call her Jessica, and I'm like, that's not Jessica Jones, is it? Yeah. But no, it was Jessica Drew. Drew. Yeah. It just, yeah, very, very poorly rendered couple of panels there. But I mean, the art was the art is definitely the saving grace of this book. But even then, I don't think it could save how much I really dislike the story. Yeah. And you know what's sad is I like Novar. I think Novar is an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I also happen to think that he's the new Sentry, and no writer knows what to do with him. Yeah. Because he he's always in the background of these – I mean, they introduced him in the first Avengers arc, and what was the point? Because he has literally been in the background of every oh, yeah. issue has, until has, this one. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Now, before we move on from this book, I, I do have one question for you. Yes, sir. How do you feel about this exiled crossover between Journey into Mystery and New Mutants? I don't know. I, you know, I don't read New Mutants, Nor do but I. but uh, you know, Kieran Gillen and Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning are all involved in that. Um, I kind of like all those guys, so I may be willing to give that a shot. Yeah, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna buy the Exiled issue one that comes out this month and see how it goes. Yeah, or okay. in May. Now, 
you know, even though we didn't get any AVX, or not much AVX, in Avengers number 25, luckily we had an AVX book to read this week. Yeah. Complete with uh, Marvel's augmented reality. But not Infinite Comics. Apparently that was only with the first issue. Yeah, that, I, I, I gotta tell you. <laughs> so, Infinite Comics are actually, in fact, finite. I believe that is correct, Tim. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, Paul, but, you know, I got home and I immediately, you know, got my, obtained my, uh, my digital copy that came with the book. And, I mean, hit the the multi-page layout in comiXology and immediately scrolled down to see if there was infinite comics there because you know they didn't they didn't market it you know for uh, issue one it was just suddenly there and no no infinite comics but you had to appreciate the fact that marvel put in the prices right bump bump a bump wow at the end of it right Aaron. <laughs> That was that was the uh, icing on the cake. Yes, it? yes, I, I appreciate that. No infinite comics, but sound effects. Yeah, dude, dude, dude. I was already impressed with this book just by flipping to the second page, where they actually took the time and effort to draw more than just six X Men for this one. Unlike issue one, where they got six X Men and they're like, ah, we're good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad they made you happy with that. Well, it, it, they're little face insets. I'm sure they're cropping these from previous things and just sticking them in there. It's like, uh, how hard could it be? And they had 20 X-Men and six, no, 20 Avengers and six X-Men. So I'm glad that balance, uh, the numbers are a bit more balanced. It, it, it just seems more professional. Well, and they show Wolverine and Storm on the border. But, yeah. I mean, it's very clear what side each one is on. Yeah. Once you start reading, yeah. I, I love the bit when Storm and the Black Panther meet in this uh, issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why we have marital counseling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I got to say, I enjoyed this issue better more than I enjoyed the first issue. And I think it's partially because Jason Aaron handled the script on this issue. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I think some of the qualms I had about the first issue, Jason Aaron, he does good dialogue. Um, I've noticed, and I just I really like some of the banter and during the fights this in this issue. Yeah, there's some there's some great banter during this this issue, and I love how they're kind of there's these these very interesting matchups that are occurring during the battle, like Doctor Strange and Ileana, you know, uh, disappearing into limbo to have a magical duel, and and you know, uh, uh, Luke Cage and Namor duking it out bottom of the ocean. I don't know, you know, if I'm having a fight in the ocean. I take Namor out of the ocean. That would be smart, but yeah. I mean, how do you do that? If, well, you're, if, you're, if you're Luke Cage. Well, I think you, you get somebody who can fly. You get somebody yeah. who, can, who can either hit him hard enough to knock him out of the ocean, or uh, you get somebody who can fly. Because I, I just think that's just a, a spectacularly bad idea when you don't breathe water, <laughs> <laughs> and he does. But, you know, Namor, he still flies, right? Yes. He's got oh. the little wing feet. Right, okay. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of the art in AVX2? Well, I'm sure Tim will cringe, but I'll continue to say that I thought it was fine. It's not great art, it's not bad art, it's okay. Yeah, I, 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 it, it, it was serviceable. I, there are pages that I was like, eh, I don't care for that, but uh, I, I thought the, the, the artwork was fine. And there are actually some pages that I genuinely liked. Yeah, I, uh, I I'll, I'll, I'll say the same thing. You know, I, I felt like it was serviceable. Now, uh -huh. do I think it was worthy of the biggest crossover of the year? No. I still feel like it's not. Yeah. Um, I still feel like they should have gotten someone like Jim Chung to do the interior. And I understand 
or Stuart Amonin. Or Stuart Amonin. You know, Stuart Amonin can meet a deadline at least. And, you know, I think Stuart Amonin would have been perfect. Um, I just, I know John Romita Jr. is fast, and this is a bi weekly book, and that's why they got him. And, you know, he is a superstar, but, you know, the art is very serviceable. It's not spectacular. And this book could be spectacular. But, I mean, that being said, I did enjoy it. I, I got, I'm really more interested in the space mission that's going on. That you got to see very little of. Yeah. Now, you get to see a little bit more of it in Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, because Wolverine and the X-Men, one of the main characters is Beast. And I got to say, Wolverine and the X-Men was awesome this week, mm-hmm. issue nine. Um, it, it kind of it more led into the, the space mission. And it featured probably the best, my, my favorite exchange of the week uh, with Beast and Wolverine talking. Because Beast goes, I'm going into space to fight a giant bird of cosmic destruction. The least you could do is give me a hug. And Wolverine goes, I would, but you've got fleas. (laughs) (laughs) And Beast goes, they're not fleas, they're BAMPs. The BAMPs got into my PIM particles. The BAMPs are mini nightcrawlers, by the way. (laughs) And he says, I don't want to die with you thinking I have fleas. And Wolverine goes, too late, and walks off. (laughs) and again, Jason Aaron. And I think Jason Aaron really brings like a human element to some of it, like the storm thing that you mentioned and all that. I just really enjoy the uh, the conversations and the banter in these books. Now, let me ask you something about AVX, guys. Um, on AVX 2, because I, I, I did flip through it just to and, you know, ensure that Romito is still doing it. Um, is there so much going on that you're not getting a whole lot? Because it seemed to me like you're talking about this fight and that fight and that well it's like well they probably only get like two panels for each of these like little matchups correct and i think that's the whole point of avx versus the the miniseries the uh, the succession miniseries that's coming out which is basically longer versions of the fights that we get two panels mm-hmm. of in the book who's, who's drawing that paul um, different artists for every for every story each artist gets like their own story so you've got uh like Salvador LaRocca doing Art of Spider-Man versus Colossus and Steve McNiven doing Captain America versus Gambit. Um, I mean, just, but you know, all good teams. I think Andy Kubert is one of the artists on the first issue. Uh, so, I mean, just, you know, dynamite teams, but you know, it's basically just a, a big fight book. So, but I'm going to pick it up. First issue comes out next week. Now, in terms of the art, uh, there is one panel in specific that I think really stands out in this book. And it's the scene where hope, uh, puts the smack down on Wolverine. Oh yeah. You know, and she's all, she's all lit up with what one would expect as the Phoenix force. And then she has, you know, essentially just set him on fire. That, and when, and when I, it, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say that is a good, good panel. Well, and it, it's funny because as you're reading through the book, it seems so, it looks like there was so much more time spent on that panel than on any of the others because so many times lately in Romita's artwork, it almost seems like he's caricaturing or storyboarding more so than he is illustrating the book. You know what I'm saying? Some of the things just seem so simply drawn that there's not been a lot of time spent on it. Uh, But you got to this page and it's just so reminiscent of John Byrne's, you know, original dark Phoenix saga artwork. And so, you know, I'm noticing that, and then I notice that there's that little AR down in the corner, which is that augmented reality. So, I, you know, I, I put my AR reader over it, and it shows you from initial sketch through inking through uh, coloring. Uh, it was really kind of a, a neat little animation it shows you. 
And, you know, the, I, I think that one of the problems is that, you know, if you're reading it solely digitally, you don't get that experience. You know, you don't have the convergence of, uh, of the, uh, the, what, what they're giving you in print as well as what they're giving to you on the digital side. You know, I imagine that if the augmented reality goes well, don't you think they'll start including that on the digital? I would and think you, so. I mean, I don't know why click, you wouldn't. Yeah, you just have a little AR logo that you just click and you get the same experience. Yeah. Now, what I would say I was disappointed in because, you know, they've got the AR code on the cover as well. And so on AVX number one, they had the AR code and you, and you hit it and it kind of gives you a, a story about – it gives you a, a teaser trailer about what AVX is all about. So I was expecting – a new teaser trailer, you know, because the the artwork kind of comes alive in that that augmented uh, reality reader, and so you know you've got a new cover. You would expect a new experience. No, no, it takes you back to the AVX uh, number one and just goes through that. So it changes over the the artwork here, where you've got Iron Man versus Magneto in the foreground and all these other fights going on in the background, uh, and just takes you back to uh, the AVX number one cover artwork. And the same teaser trailer. Well, I, I do have one question for, for you, learned gentlemen. If you look at the uh, page where they're out in space and it's the uh, group shot of them in the middle all waiting for the Phoenix Force, mm-hmm. uh, who is that in the big bulky spacesuit? Up front? Yeah, kind of. you only see like waist up. Kind of cut off by the panel a little bit. Looks like a female, long hair. Is it Ms. Marvel? Doesn't, why would Ms. Marvel need a spacesuit? It is indeed Miss Marvel, and uh, she needs a spacesuit because uh, it's space. Yeah, why? Why would you need a spacesuit, Andrew? Why would put you in space without your spacesuit and see how well you do? I'm <sighs> not. I'm not a huge Miss Marvel fanboy, but I'm pretty sure she can survive in vacuum without a spacesuit. Now, did y'all speaking of Miss Marvel? Did y'all see that she's going to be the new Captain Marvel? I did, and I think that comes about as a result of something in this fight. Very exciting. Now, you know, that's actually a demotion for her. From Miss to Captain? Well, no, because she, she, in her in her uh, uh, her other identity, you know, as Carol Danvers, she's Colonel Carol Danvers. Oh, so that's she true. takes a demotion to become Captain Marvel. Maybe like she'll be a Colonel Marvel. She'll be like she, that's like a dual posting. She'll, she's a colonel in the American military, but in the in the Cree <laughs> Military, she'll just be a captain. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got that. Yeah. yeah they're, they're they're switching her costume too to look more like uh, the the you know uh, Marvel Captain Marvel uniform. So no. I'm actually kind of excited about that. I, I like that. I like that color and I like that style on that costume. So now, are they altering it to the point where she's got about the same amount of skin showing, or are they actually covering her up? They are covering her up. They're giving her pants. Wow. Breeches, as it were. That seems ill-advised. Yeah, <laughs> yes, ill-advised. That's <laughs> perfect word. And Kelly Sue DeConnick will be writing that book. Yeah, and well, and she's getting a short haircut too, which is, I'm not a fan of. I'm sorry, Paul, we, that we can't make you happy in this regard. Really, she just needs to keep the hair long. I do like I do like longer hair, long flowing locks. That's why I like yes. Gambit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? We didn't talk about. And what didn't we I, talk about, Paul? We didn't talk about in our banter something very important to me. Okay. You're, so joining Marvel – besides that, <laughs> besides the Schmeckum, um, uh, joining Marvel's line of crime books like Mar- like Punisher and Daredevil is Hawkeye later this year. Did you guys read this announcement? I did not. Now, the creative team on Hawkeye 
I, now I'm going to get a groan and then I'm going to get a yay. <laughs> is Matt Fraction? Uh, uh, and David Aha. Yay! Aha. Uh-huh. Um, but they were also the creative team on Immortal on Immortal Iron Man, which was dynamite, freaking awesome. Immortal Iron Man. Or Immortal Iron Fist. Sorry. <laughs> I was say, I'm not familiar with Immortal Iron Man. I really liked yes. Immortal Iron Fist, though. Yes, Immortal Iron Fist. The same creative team as Immortal Iron Fist, except that Ed Brubaker did co-write some of those issues. That's what I said. So, what do you think about that? I'm 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 genuinely excited about it. Why I do like Immortal Iron Fist and really enjoyed those trades. I that was before Fraction really soured in my mind. He's uh, the stuff he's been doing lately has just kind of somewhat tainted him, and I, I would be he's leery. Got the taint. He does. I'd be leery of picking up anything with his name on it. I know it's hard to want to be excited about it, but it's like, but it. And I'm not. I got to be honest. I'm not even the hugest Hawkeye fan, but I just loved those Immortal Iron Fist stories so much. Well, and I do enjoy the the road they've taken Hawkeye down lately. You know, where he's he's more of really a Green Arrow type of character, like the Green Arrow that uh, Kevin Smith wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like he's almost the good guy bullseye in a lot of in a lot of respects. So yeah. I'm kind of digging that part of the character. Uh, I thought Hawkeye was much cooler when he was Ronan. I like that <laughs> costume better. The yeah. costume was better, and. Uh, Paul, are you seriously considering buying a Mad Fraction book? I'm, are, you ser- I, are you serious, Paul? Yeah, I'm going to buy issue one. Without a doubt, I am buying issue one. Off the show. Oh. Hey, hey, Paul, <laughs> I think the last Mad Fraction book you bought was Thor point one. 12.1, yeah. How, how'd that work out for you? Not so well. Okay. Not so well. But, I'm, you know, I haven't liked any of Mad Fraction's Thor. Well, you're you're proving my case, counselor. <laughs> it, it fear itself that that you know that didn't go well. Um, from a story perspective, uh, love Stuart Moon's art, but story wise, that was bad. Uh, but I'll tell you what: if you want to get into the Suicide Pack together, I will pick up the first issue of Hawkeye with you. In Are you guys stupid? No, well, <laughs> fatalist, I think fatalistic's a better word. I'm walking into it with my eyes open, Tim. Sure. Well, Aaron's going to buy it too. He's just not saying it. Aaron, I'll uh, damn it. Oh. Yeah, I'll probably buy it. What I the hear, fuck? <laughs> I hear jumping off bridges is a lot of fun. Come on, <laughs> join us, Tim. Come there on. Is- all there the cool is, kids there is a it. less than zero chance that that'll ever happen. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, you know. This is why we can't have good things because you guys buy bad things. <laughs> well, well, Tim, we did talk you into buying Punif- Punisher number ten this week. Well, that's technically not true. I borrowed Punisher number ten. Okay, we talked you into reading Punisher number ten. Yes, yes, you did. Oh, did you borrow it from? Did you borrow it from the comic book store or the library? Get under your windbreaker and go home. Did, <laughs> did you borrow it from Pirate Bay? Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but so this is the second part of the Omega Effect arc. Uh, started last week in Avenging Spider-Man, concluding next week in Daredevil. Tim, I'm curious what to see what you thought of it. Um. I think that Greg Rucka does a really good job in a very difficult situation, which is to say that he has three different, 
three different characters that are, uh, you know, stars of their own book. And he finds a way to have each one have a, a fairly unique and uh, interesting voice that fits well within their with their within their mythos. And um, I had to say, I, I, I love the dialogue. Um, I don't. I, I I don't know. I I'm not I'm not sold on the MacGuffin. I guess the Fantastic Four MacGuffin, like unstable molecule MacGuffin. I, I don't I don't get it because now why is that? Have you been reading? You haven't been reading Daredevil, have you? No, no. I get the concept. I understand it's a really big you know thumb drive. Okay, I get it. I get that. Whatever. But it's like they're all itching to get this information. Well, somebody must have this information because somebody put it all on the damn disc, right? But they have to get the disc. They're not looking for the person that had the information to put it on the disc. I, I don't know. It's kind of dumb to me, but. I mean, it's it's beautiful art, and it's it's, it's well written. I just, you know, the whole the whole thing to get them all together, I'm not as big a fan of. That's my take. Yeah, I could see that, and you know, it's something that didn't actually occur to me when I was reading it. But it's a good point. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think of? I love uh, this Pun- book. <laughs> <laughs> I love this book. I I I I thought this book was a blast. I loved the dialogue between. Uh, Daredevil and Spider-Man, I particularly love how much Spider-Man distrusts the Punisher for mm-hmm. good reason. Uh, but maybe he should have been mistrusting the lady a little bit more. Yeah, so I have a, a question about that because yeah. I know what happened. But did anyone the, – the staging of that page I thought was a little poor. Which we're talking about spoilers on the second to last page. Daredevil is betrayed. Yeah, she shot him in the back of the head with rubber bullets. Yeah, and, and I get that. It just – like it just – it was – Poorly executed, I think. I, I you because I, I had to flip back to see what the hell. I agree. Was I had to do the same thing. Going well, what the hell was the thup thup? You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I gather that she shot him in the back of the head with the rubber bullets. Yeah, it would have been much better had that been a side shot of her pointing her pistol at the back of his head. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I, yeah, I, I agree that that was not that was not. Uh, uh, told visually very well but i mean i enjoy, i am enjoying this this crossover very much oh i love this crossover i love the marco chiquetto art God, so good i love the way he draws spider-man <laughs> and i love the ongoing joke about cake yes <laughs> you know, i find a good plan you know, has balloons in it are you going to put balloons in it <laughs> or, or cake Cake helps everybody. Everybody likes cake. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is Spider-Man talking to the Punisher. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and the, pun- the the Punisher, where, where Spider-Man swings up to join the Punisher, and the Punisher's like, I wasn't aiming at you. And Spider-Man's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't aiming at you. It's like every time Spider-Man tells a joke, you can just see the Punisher's blood pressure go up a little. <laughs> So reading Avenging Spider-Man and this one, it's like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love it because it's like, I just don't see your objection to cake. Do you punish cake or is it just a principled stance? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're fighting later. Be glad you guys aren't cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, you know, it, it was a, it's a fun book. Yeah, and I, you know, it's kind of funny because I don't – my experience with Greg Rucka isn't that he does humor well. No. 
And I, you know, I, I there's no Mark Wade on this cover. There's no Mark Wade in these credits. This is entirely Greg Rucka, yeah. and he did a damn good job with Spider-Man. Completely agree. Completely agree. I, I, I loved how Spider-Man is voiced in this book. And I am psyched for the conclusion of the storyline next week in Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, big thumbs up. I'm, I'm just really enjoying this storyline. Would love to see uh, more of these kind of team-ups. You know? So, you know, we've got that next week. We've got some other stuff next week. We've got Alien, uh, Alien versus X-Men. Avengers versus X-Men versus number one coming out next week. Um, including some other AVX tie-ins. Uh, New Avengers number 25. Secret Avengers number 26, which is all about the... Um, the space adventure that we were just talking about with Beast. Now, is anyone picking up Ultimate Spider-Man Adventures number one next week? No. Well, there's a reason I ask. You guys are so not clued in to to the comic book internet. I do not have my fingers on the pulse of I do not own a segue. It is written by Dan Slott and Ty Templeton. I like Dan Slott, but why? I don't. I just. I've never been really drawn to the Ultimate Universe. No, no, it's not the Ultimate Universe. It's based on the animated show. Mm. Like that's the one. I would buy it, but you throw Dan Slott on there, and I'm considering it. And that's the one where he's like with Nova and uh, Iron um, Fist. Uh, Iron, the, the, yeah, teenage Iron Fist, who's apparently playing hooky from Kunla. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and Luke Cage, right? Yeah. Hmm. I will probably flip through it. So I'm 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 considering it. There's a you know there's a lot of stuff good stuff next week and um. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it looks. If it looks like it's just screenshots from the cartoon, I probably won't pick it up. Well, I have a question for you from this week. I, I don't know if you noticed this, because uh, did you remember the Battle Chasers hardback we, we got uh, previewed some time back? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was ninety nine ninety nine. Right. Uh, did you notice on a Comixology you can now buy the collected edition for thirteen ninety nine? I did indeed notice that. <laughs> Seems now, like a better price point. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, and I, I'm considering it because, you know, we, we received a, a, a preview copy from um, Image, Image Comics. And, you know, the preview copy is just a PDF, you know, all one page. You know, it doesn't have the guided view or anything like that. So I'm, I'm considering paying the thirteen ninety nine and getting the Battle Chasers collected, collected edition. The problem with Battle Chasers is that as great as it is, it's incomplete. Right. And it will probably never be complete. Ever. Exactly. And it ended on a cliffhanger. It's not like it even just ended on a spot where, you know, it's not like the last episode of Angel, you know? <laughs> this, this legitimately was intended to keep going, and it didn't. Right. The uh, the creator got a job to do work for the, the computer video game industry and left and never came back. So that's – honestly, that's why I didn't pay the ninety nine ninety nine for it because I wanted the book. Why did you pay ninety nine ninety nine for it? Because that's an insane amount of money for nine issues of comics. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's also the Amazon price. But sure, sure. You know, I just I I couldn't justify it for a story that, you know, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to say, you know what, that would have been great if they kept going. <laughs> but, but I think for thirteen ninety nine, that is perfect for the nostalgic reader. I don't think this is going to be good for someone who's never heard of Battle Chasers. But for all those people who read it when they're growing up, they're like, "Ah, oh, God, I wish I could read those books again and see that ridiculous art." Thirteen ninety nine, nine issues. That's that's a fair price. Yeah, I'm with you. I absolutely agree. Actually, it's ten issues because it includes the zero issue. True, true. So you're ta- you're paying a buck thirty nine per issue. That is the proper price point for a trade. Just yes. saying, Marvel and DC, not not a hundred dollars, 
not twenty dollars for four. There you go. So I before, before we before we end this thing, I got two small orders of business for this for the end of the podcast. Number one, if you want to play Knights of Rainsboro, Escape from Dogger Island, there's like three seats left. And I you have slots open. When did that happen? Yeah, people are dropping out of my game, <laughs> Paul. So, um, and, oh, and Paul was kind of big, so he took a, a took up a couple of seats. No, it's not, it's not just Paul's fault. Paul, Paul was Paul set the trend. What a so, I, you know, I see you have an alternate, James. So uh, why don't you come play Knights of uh, Rainsboro, slot one? Aaron doesn't need alternates. You <laughs> have a real seat at my table. Aaron be like, oh, you're an alternate? F off. That's basically what he's going to say to you. <laughs> So he probably will actually say that. Uh, he, he, he probably would. And the second order of business is, is that Paul and I have been having a discussion in the chat room Uh-oh. about uh, him possibly getting uh, a, a female listener as a co-host for Avengers. Uh, and I set the bar at four and a half. So if there's more, if you're a female listener and you've made it this far into this podcast, you need to like you know tweet the ideology of madness. Uh, Twitter feed or post a show note here or tell Paul you want to be on this on the Avengers podcast because I said there's no way in hell he's getting this to happen. So that is that is the that is the uh, ideology of madness uh, funny books shout out to any female listener that wants to be uh, a co-host on the Avengers thing. With Paul. So your challenge is that you don't think Paul can bring a lady to the podcast. I don't think I don't think that he can bring more than four and a half. <laughs> Which if he gets a if he gets if he gets, if he gets a uh, dwarf on the podcast, I don't know how we're gonna count that. Vegas might have to split the difference, but yeah, no, that's my challenge. I don't think it's gonna happen. Now, Paul, yes, it doesn't count if you bring your mom. Uh, that he Tim didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is kind of weird because over at Backseat Boxes, we have we have. Quite a few women. We, we're about split. It seems like about about half our competitors are women, about half are men. But you're right. Over here, I don't. I can't remember ever getting a female comment. And you know what they all are, Andrew? Losing to Tim. <laughs> Tim is freakishly good. He's had a a, a sharp run, but you know, see if you can hold on to it for a couple more months. Oh, all I gotta do is put one every one in every three weeks, and that'll keep me on top of the leaderboard, Andrew. I have a plan. You have a plan, okay? Yep, like a Cylon. Exactly. Much like a Cylon. Well, Andrew, do you do you have an excuse as to why you were late? Did Did you want to, you know, apologize to our audience for not being here yeah, for so banter had, uh, and? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had a business meeting uh, in Colombia this past week, and uh-huh. uh, the, you may have seen something in the news about it. Things didn't go too well. I had a conference call this morning about it. Uh-huh. Uh, there's been a lot of Hubbablue made about nothing, in my opinion. But has the president demanded your resignation? Not yet. No. Not yet. Okay. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. I, you know, I'm not in management, so. You know, I always heard that what happens in Colombia stays in Colombia. That doesn't appear to be the case. Apparently, if you're a tightwad, no. Yeah. 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 Why do I sense that this conversation is going to be edited out of the podcast? No, no, no. I, because. Andrew is all about Colombian hookers. This is this is my made up <laughs> excuse. So this is fine to go on the podcast since it's all fictional. It's you throw it in there. Well, fictional in air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> fictional with a wink. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, guys. Well, um, one more week, and then it's off to St. Louis. Mm, mm, this mm. Uh, there is a part of me that is that is crazy excited, and another smaller part of me that is intensely afraid. So much work to do between now and then. Oh, I was gonna say, don't be afraid, man. We're in a different hotel this year. That's true too. That's true. <laughs> the lack of quality in stands alone. <laughs> but you know, Paul won't be coming by for his booty call. You know. That is sad. In the evening, so I'm going to miss the good, good loving. I mean, that guy's a freak. Paul, there's Kickstarters for everything else. Why isn't there a Kickstarter to get you to uh, fear the con? Yeah, Paul. I don't know. Maybe there should Lazy be. Lazy ass. It worked for Tim and Cable. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna try it for Tim and Gen Con, though. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all have a good week. You too. You too. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>